Welcome, family and friends. So glad that you guys are here together. Some of you for the first time in like 15 months. It's good to see your beautiful faces. Here we are together in church. Praise God, the family at Eastview. And if you're watching us online, we're ready for you when you're ready. If you've got reasons for being home, stay home. That's cool. We get to celebrate Jesus and what he's doing in our lives all the time. And today, as if that's not enough, we got on top of the sermon, on top of the worship, we are going to dedicate 41 children to the Lord today in all three of our campuses, which is fantastic. And so uh, pray for me right now that I can not botch up all those names. That will be great. Uh, that will probably be the hardest part of my day, all right? So uh, we're going to be in the Word of God today as usual, and the question is, what is the text for our sermon? Is it Leviticus 21 or Exodus 29? You, know, you guys probably know this, but we, we every time that we uh, put together a preaching schedule, a year in advance, so a year ago, we decided this was going to be a sermon on consecration about the priest. By the way, that's what we're going to do with these kids today. We're going to consecrate them. And uh, we said consecrated. Well, Leviticus 21 talks a little bit about it. Exodus 29 talks a little bit about it. And I have to confess to you, when I read Leviticus on Monday morning to start preparing for the sermon, I'm, I'm like, straight to Exodus 29 we go. Because you've probably encountered, here's how you as a Christian have probably encountered Leviticus 21. Remember the old school when you guys would read through the Bible in a year from Genesis to Revelation? I, I highly recommend that January 1st to December 31st, you read through it in a year. You guys all inevitably have come to February 6th. You know, February 6th is the time people start bailing on the read through the Bible in a year. And Leviticus 21 is part of the reason. Because you come to the Word of God, you come to Leviticus 21, and you say, man, I really want to be inspired by the Word of the Lord today. I really want to hear from Him. I want to live this royal priesthood life that He's calling me to. By the way, can I just remind you, that's what we started last week. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And so we come to the Scriptures and we ask God, I want to be a royal. What does it mean to be a part of the priesthood of God? Anybody out there want to be a royal? Anybody want to be a part of what God's doing in the Word? Three people, praise God. All right. <laughs> Whipped them up into a frenzy already. We come to this question, what does it mean to be a royal? And honestly, when you come to Leviticus 21, it's a little confusing. And uh, it's incredible, but it's maybe even uncomfortable. Many people have run into this and said, what is going on? Because basically, all of Leviticus 21 is about why someone can't be a priest. It's a list of prohibitions and requirements and exclusions for priesthood. And it's hard to hear because it also offends our 21st century ears. But we have to talk about it because until we get to Exodus 29, before we come to Exodus 29, we have to understand this reality. And here's how I've just kind of summarized all of Leviticus 21. We are less qualified than we think. Oh, so you want to be a priest. So you want to serve the high God of the universe who created it all and sustains it all and spins it all. You want to be used by God. Here's the reality. Leviticus 21 says, man... We are so unqualified. And it lists all these disqualifications, reasons that we can't be. I've listed there in your notes uh, five, uh, six words really quickly that I want to run through. By the way, what did I decide to do? Preach Leviticus uh, 21 or Exodus 29? Yes. So this is a sermon to set up a sermon. 
It's like the introduction. Some of you are going, man, I usually like it. Mike's more fun, and he tells jokes, and he's very, very funny. Trust me, I'm hilarious, okay? I just don't have time today. Ask my wife if you think that I'm not hilarious, all right? Uh, so here's the deal. <laughs> I'm comfortable. Uh, there's a big note from the wife. All right. These words that stick out in Leviticus 21, unclean. What we find out is that you're probably unclean by exposure to something that God has deemed unclean, you, so you can't be a priest. You can't profane his holy place. You can't stain it or make it dirty. How do you make the holy place dirty? How do you profane the holy place? A bad haircut, the way you don't dress right, right? You can, you can profane the holy place by a bad marriage or a sexual impurity. I'm not making this up. This is Leviticus 21, and I'm not even being offensive yet. You're not qualified to serve in the holy presence of God because of any physical blemish or defect that you might have. Broken leg, out. Blindness, out. You can't walk, out. You got a bad back, out. You got a blemish on your face, out. OxyClean will help you, but God cannot. I don't know where that came from, but that's got to be Holy Spirit. Listen, I won't mention some of the others, but if you read verse 20, we're not mature enough to handle verse 20, but if you read it later, you check it out later, you're going to find this truth that what I've said, we are less qualified than we think. The truth is a holy God cannot be served by unholy people, period. We are not worthy to come into his presence. We are not worthy to do anything of significance for him. But here's what I want to teach you. I'm going to teach you a little bit about reading the Bible today. If you come to Leviticus 21 on February 6th and you're going, what in the world is God up to? You got to look for the Jesus in the story. You got to look for what's going on, what's the redemptive salvation, good news. And guess what? There's good news in Leviticus 21. Three times, here's what the Lord says. You can't do this. You can't do this. You're not qualified. You're a blemish. You can't make it happen. And then he says three times in verses 8 and 15 and 23, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. That's the good news. None of y'all are qualified. We're going to look at Aaron and his sons here in just a moment and their consecration, their sanctification uh, service. But the reality is even Aaron was not qualified. It, it takes a Lord to sanctify something, to make somebody holy. Only God can sanctify or consecrate or make something holy that is not holy. All of us have possessions at our homes that are valuable to us only because we have deemed them valuable. Could be some jewelry, could be a photograph, could be a, a something, a, you know, a possession of your long lost grandma or grandpa. We all have these. My grandpa's Bible, you could not pay me a million dollars for it because I value it. I've made it holy. I've consecrated. I've set that apart as special, and you guys do the same thing. The good news this morning is that's what Jesus does for us. Leviticus 21 says, y'all ain't qualified. You're less qualified than you think, but I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Look at this passage from 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 through 11. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Listen, you want to be a kingdom of priests? Forget it. You're not even worthy of being in. Are you excited at home yet? Are you encouraged? Here's the message. I've got to tell you the bad news before the good news. Nobody's in. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I'm going to stop there because I know what sin you guys are focusing on right now. 
They're all equal opportunity sins. They all disqualify us from service in the kingdom of God. They all disqualify us from the kingdom of God. I'm not diminishing any of these sins up here. I'm not highlighting any of them either. If God says it's a sin, it's bad for you. And it ultimately is something that keeps you out of the kingdom of God. So who's Paul writing to? Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, a bunch of Christians like you gathered together on a Sunday morning. They read this and he goes, remember who you guys were. And look at this. Here's the turning point. And such were some of you, but you have been washed. You have been sanctified. And I want you to focus on that word sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Here's the story for all of us, for First Christian Church in Corinth and for Eastview Christian Church now and every church in between. You and I are unqualified and unclean. There is no way with all our defects and our profanities and our blemishes that we can be royals in the kingdom of priests. But we go back to that phrase. It is the Lord who sanctifies you. How in the world can you be a royal? Because God says, I'm going to make you a royal. I'm going to make you holy. I'm going to set you apart for my purposes. And with that in mind, we're ready for the sermon. Isn't that the longest introduction in the history of the world? If we walked away right now, that's a good sermon, y'all, because God is going to turn us into something holy. He's going to sanctify us, consecrate us, but with that in mind, we're ready for the sermon. Now, Exodus chapter 29, verses 1 through 9. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're watching online perhaps, or you're here visiting, and you're not a follower of Jesus, pay attention, because this is how all of us got to be where we're at. You're not sitting in a company of a bunch of people who got their acts together, trust me, starting with the one that's on the stage, all right? The truth is that we all need Jesus Christ to come and consecrate us and make us who we are so that we can be holy before him. Exodus 29, you ready for the word of the Lord? Yeah. All right, now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread and unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them a fine wheat flour and you shall put them in one basket and bring, bring them in the basket, bring the bull and the two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. And then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastplate and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. If you missed last week, this is what we're talking about. God has clothed us. You shall set the turban on his head, put the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put coats on them. And you shall gird Aaron and his sons with the sashes and bind the caps on them. And the priesthood shall be theirs, a statute forever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. So then in verses 10 through 14, we have the sacrifice of the bull. And then in verses 15 through 18, we have the sacrifice of the first ram. But I want to read this second part, starting in verse 19, the second ram. You shall take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the heads of the ram, the head of the ram, and you shall kill the ram and take part of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and on the tips of the right ears of his sons and on the thumbs of their right hands and on the great toes of their right feet and throw the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. Then you shall take part of the blood that's on the altar and of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and his sons' garments with him. He, shall, he and his garments shall be holy and his sons and his sons' garments with him. That's how you become a priest. Let's ask God to speak to us today in 21 century life about how he makes us priests. God, would you come now? 
My, my prayer is simple. My prayer is that you'll come as I lift up your son Jesus, your spirit will move into every heart. It, it is a big ask that I'm going to request right now of you, Lord, but I know that you can do it. I've seen you do it. Would you move in every heart? Would you let no one walk away from the sound of my voice and my teaching today without hearing from God? Maybe it's a line. Maybe it's the whole sermon. God, there are people far from you who are mad at you. People are separated. People are lonely. People are afraid. And they're all sitting here today. And so would you speak? Because um, your word does that. Your word speaks into our lives and doesn't return to you without accomplishing its goal. Would you do that now, Father? Would you help me not get in the way? Help me proclaim the truth of your word. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so here's the word. It's there in verse 1. I gave it away. Tyler gave it away earlier. It's the whole theme of the day. Consecrate. There it is. Now this is what you shall do to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. In other words, you can't be a priest until you're consecrated. And it's, it's what happens for us if we want to be royals. The reason we're looking at these Old Testament priest you know, um, requirements is because if we're supposed to be royal priesthood, and God has this whole system of priesthood in the Old Testament, then we can learn about following Jesus Christ by looking at the Old Testament. That's the idea. So we come to this word consecration, and if we want to be consecrated, we have to be able to be, um, or to be priests. We have to be consecrated. Now I'm going to show you some interchangeable words here that I'm going to use without. Maybe it'll be an aha for some of you. Some of you go like, oh yeah, because you're super smart people. And I show you this not to impress your, uh, you with my great knowledge, because if you know me, that's not true, okay? But because I think you can, you're, you're smart enough to handle this. Here are the words that you find in the Scripture. You find the word sanctify, which we've talked about today, consecrate. It's the same Hebrew word, kadesh. The word holy is like that word related to it, kadesh. Or, nah, see, my typos always. Kadash, kadesh, kadash. Let's call the whole thing off. Anyway, uh, sanctify, consecrate, holy, and then when you get to the New Testament, remember it's in Greek, hagiadzo is sanctify, consecrate, and holy. The reason I show you this is because I want you to understand when I say God has to consecrate us, he has to make us holy. He has to set us apart. That's what the word literally means. You are set aside for something better. And so a God who is set apart by his greatness and his incredible knowledge and his power, he has to make us like him so that we can serve him. And he does this through the blood of the sacrifices that we just read about in Exodus 29. So today I just want us to think about this sanctifying, consecrating work of God in our lives in four different ways. You have been consecrated if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a priest. You are a royal and you have been consecrated through four sanctifying sacrifices. Hebrews 9.21 says it this way, and this, you come back to this all the time in the Scripture. Hebrews 9.22 says, Under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Blood is the means that God uses to sanctify the unholy to make them holy. That's why God tells them to bring what he does to the priest's consecration in verse 1. Did you see all this stuff? Let's just let me tell you the story here. Okay, we're getting ready to, to ordain all the priests. We're going to consecrate like we did today. We're going to consecrate the kids. Here's the stuff you got to get ready for that. 
And all the people that you're going to see consecrated here today and the parents, they've gone through a whole series of meetings and, and, and uh, preparations to get to this day. Priesthood's the same way. God says, here's what you're going to need. Bring Aaron and his sons. You've got to bring the priest. And uh, bring the clothes that I told you to put on them. Uh, bring uh, bring uh, a, a bull. Bring two rams. And bring a basket full of different kinds of bread, smeared with oil, poured with oil. Bring the anointing oil. And today, uh, we're going we're gonna to ordain them. We're going to consecrate them. We are going to set them aside for service. Today, I don't have time to focus on the bread, the oil, uh, the anointing oil, the clothes. We did that last week. I'm going to focus on the sacrifices. Even I don't want to do five sermons in one, all right? So we're going to focus on these sacrifices, these four sanctifying sacrifices. And the first one is the bull. They're, they're to bring a bull. They bring these animals to the tent of meeting. All the people gathered around, dressed nice like you guys are on a holy occasion on a Sunday morning. And, uh, and here comes Aaron and the sons, and here comes Moses, and they're leading the bull and two rams. They bring the special clothes. They put them on Nadab and Abihu. You see there uh, through verses 4 through 6, he's dressing Aaron. He's washing him first, the signifying that he's clean and ready to serve him. Then verse 8, he brings his sons. He puts coats on them. They got special little you know, like little kitty uh, high priest outfits, right? And they put them on them. And, but I just want to stop for just a moment. When I read this, when I read this story, I go, y'all, the worship service required a bull. Have you seen a bull? I mean, I get a little freaked out when somebody says, I want my dog to be in my wedding ceremony. Or on a child dedication Sunday, parents are right now going, oh no, this kid's going to cause a ruckus. They brought a bull to church. You imagine how hard that was to contain this bull, to corral this bull? Now, I don't know if God just had this awesome way of just making the bull the most tame bull in the history of the world, but they don't seem that way to this city boy. The size and the awkwardness of the bull in an official ceremony, it just makes me go, wow, what did that look like? But sure enough, here comes a bull, here comes two rams, and we're ready to ordain these priests. First things first, look in verse 10. They, uh, you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the heads of the bull. Okay. As a city boy, I'm already out. I'm like, can I just touch the horn or something? You know, I, just, I want to be away. Put your hands on the head of the bull. What does this signify? In the, in the Bible, this is free stuff. It's uh, three things that you do when you put hands on somebody. You either put hands on to bless them. So the words you say are the blessing on them. It's a transference of blessing. You also put your hands on someone as a transferal of, um, of uh, what's the word here? Uh, a sign of transferring the Holy Spirit. So in the New Testament, when the apostles laid hands on somebody, they were transferring the Holy Spirit as a symbol. And then in this case, you transfer your sins. Why did they put their hands on the head of the bull? Because their sins are going to be on the bull. In essence, they're saying this, sorry, bull, I've been really bad. And I've been sinning, oh, as far back as I can remember, third grade, last night, two weeks ago. In fact, every day I have a sin, and I'm, I'm taking my sins, and I'm putting them on you, sacrifice. Can you see Jesus a little bit here? I'm taking every bad thing that I've done. Sorry, bull, you did nothing. You were eating daisies today out in the, in the fields, and today all the sins of all these five guys go on you. And the next thing that happens is what we do with the sin. This, this bull is slaughtered. The bull is killed, and blood's poured out. 
The organs are burnt. I didn't, I didn't read this, but just take my word for it. Here's what happens to the bull. He's killed, sins on him, he's killed, his blood's poured, splashed all over the altar, and they burn some of his insides out. But this is really important. I think it's an important part of this teaching. What they do with this bull is they take his hide, they take all of the, ref, the remaining of his body, and they take it outside of the camp to burn it. Are you guys, anybody interested in going to an Old Testament worship service? Wow! This is just the first animal. This is the first sacrifice. But here again, it's a picture of Jesus. Hebrews 9.26 says, As it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. This is the role of the bull. Jesus was a, uh, the bull was a picture of Jesus. He puts away sin. But what they do with this bull at the, in the camp, verse 14, the remains are taken outside the camp. Did you know that the Bible talks about this in the book of Hebrews? You can't have the bull in the camp. You can't keep the bull where it's at. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are, look, burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. This bull is killed with the sins of the priest on top of it. Jesus is killed outside of the camp with the sins of me and you on him. What's the point and who cares? Well, here's the deal. The deal is, is that I don't want sin to stick around. I don't want sin. I, when, when God forgives my sin, I don't want to be reminded of all that stuff that I've done. Anybody here want to move on? Anybody here want to forget? Anybody here have regrets? In the name of Jesus Christ, it's gone. He has put your sins on the bull and sent them out of the camp. My sins are removed. That's the picture of this bull. What an incredible sacrifice. But then we move to the second sacrifice, this, the, the blood-covered surrender, as I've called it, the sacrifice of the, second, uh, or the first ram, ram number one, come right up. And again, the same kind of ceremony, priests put the hands on the head of the, second ram, or the first ram, and uh, they do the same thing, the, 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 lamb is slaughtered, or the ram is slaughtered, and blood is thrown against the altar. There's something different, though, about this ram that you got to pay attention to, uh, is that this ram, although he's cut up and presented to God in different various ways, this ram is th everything completely thrown on the altar and consumed on the altar. It is what we call a whole burnt offering. And I don't think it's just because God says, I don't like rams, I like bull. He, he said, I want this to be symbolic. You put your hands on the head of this ram. Now put the whole thing on the altar and burn it up completely. Why did he want this whole burnt offering? Look in verse 18. The, the burnt, burn the whole ram on the altar. It's a burnt offering to the Lord. It's a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. Why do you think God thinks that burning rams smell good? Because they don't, I'm sure. Why? Because this is an offering that says, everything I have, it's complete. I surrender it all. Nothing's getting on this altar once this thing gets on the altar, the only thing going away is ashes. I give my entire life, and I believe the picture here is of Aaron and his sons, and then you and I as priests in the kingdom of God, royals in his name, in the name of Christ, putting our hands on the ram and saying, God, we're all in. We, we have blood-covered surrender. We're in. 
We're, we're not turning back. As we sing in the song, the cross before me, the world behind me. What? No turning back. No turning back. Once you get on the altar and you're a whole burnt offering, there is no turning back. You're staying there, and it's going to be complete. Everything about this ram is completely gone. And since, since they lay their hands on the head of the, this whole burnt offering by transferring uh, their stuff onto this ram, they're saying, we're in this way too. We surrender everything. Here's how you become consecrated, guys. Here's why some of us don't live consecrated lives, because we're not all in. We keep climbing up on the altar and climbing back out. We go, hey, God, Sunday, I'm on the altar, man. You can have it all, everything. I love you. And then Monday morning, it's like, hey, can I get back down until next Sunday? And we walk around like we're still living. That's why the Bible teaches us in Romans 12, 1, King James Version, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, in the name of Jesus Christ, right, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, living sacrifices. The problem with living sacrifices is they crawl down a lot off the altar, but that's what God's calling us to. And if you're wondering today why you don't feel set apart or you don't feel like you're holy or you don't feel like you're consecrated or sanctified for the Lord, it's because we keep getting back off the altar and going back into the world. The priest is consecrated, says, I'm in now. I'm never going to be Aaron, Moses' older brother. I'm never going to be Aaron, the shepherd guy. I am a priest. I'm all in. Wow. What an incredible teaching. The bull takes my sins out of here. That's the only way I can be holy. My life, I put my hands and say, I'm in. I want to follow you, Jesus. What we call around here, fearless followers of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you can talk to one of us when the service is over. Or you can, even online, you can text that number that's up on the screen. I keep turning to the right, but it's over there always. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Anyway. Sometimes you just got to entertain yourself, okay? Anyway, so uh, call that number. We want to talk to you about your faith in Jesus Christ and the walk. That brings us to the third sacrifice, the blood-covered serving. And this is where, really interesting. This is where ram number two is brought in. He's seen what's happened to bull number one and ram number one. He's probably thinking to himself, I don't want to be next. But sure enough, he comes, they put his, their hands on his head, and again, something different is done here. In, in verse 20, we find what happens to the blood of this, of this ram. You shall kill the ram, take part of his blood, put it on the tip of the right ear, and then on down, put it on the thumbs of the right hands, and then on down the great toes of the right feet. What a crazy ceremony! Is God just getting up? He's just up there going, hey, watch this, angels. I'm going to tell them to put blood on their ear, and they'll do it. And so all of a sudden, Moses takes the blood, and he puts, he puts blood on the tip of their right ears. Why right side? Right side in the Old Testament was considered the strong side, the strength. So this is the strength of your hearing, the strength of your, your hands. Why the thumb? Because your thumbs are very integral in what you do with your hands the big toe. Why the big toe? Because it has a lot to do with what you're, how you're walking and how you're getting around. Aaron and his sons had consecrated ears and thumbs and big toes. Did you ever consider those parts of your body being holy? Nobody ever said, oh, we don't have a song about holy ears or holy big toes. But, but this is the picture that we get from this Old Testament ceremony of consecration. 
And just real quickly, I want to I tell you why. Maybe you want to fill in these blanks at home uh, because I left them blank for your notes on the sermon page. But we have ears to hear God's word. We ha- if you're going to be a royal, then you have to be attentive to the word of God. You have to be in the word of God, even if it's Leviticus 21. You have to listen for what God is speaking to you. Somebody tweeted this week, if you want to hear from God, you might start with his word. Priests are always listening for the word of God. And now I'm not talking about priests that you know of maybe in this culture. I'm talking about you. A priest has to be attentive to the word of God. Thumbs to do God's work. Because now he's consecrated. He set his life apart. He's going to do the work of the Lord. Tomorrow you might be going to work. You might be going to a job. You might be going to school. You might have some work ahead of you, even if it's in the home or in your neighborhood or outdoors or whatever. But whatever work you do, you work at it as though you're doing it for the Lord. Your work is for God. It's always for God. Aaron and his sons just couldn't get a part-time job to make extra money. They're priests. Their work is for the Lord. And then finally, toes so that you have feet that walk in God's way. That you go, you follow him, as we say around here, fearlessly following Jesus Christ. Those are the three sacrifices of sanctification from the Old Testament ritual of consecration for being set apart as a priest. But I said four sacrifices. Well, here's the four sacrifice. These four sacrifices are all a picture of the sacrifice in Jesus Christ. By that will, we talk about in Hebrews chapter 10, Jesus steps up and says, I will do your will, O Lord. You're not satisfied with bulls and goats' blood. I will do your will. And here it comes to Hebrews 10, 10. By that will, the will of Jesus Christ, we have been, look, sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. It took us 25 minutes to get to that good news. Here's how you are a royal. Here's how we are a priesthood. Here's how we are a holy nation because Jesus Christ determined, I will go, I will sacrifice my blood. I will anoint their sin and take it out of the camp. I will anoint their lives so that they can serve me. I will anoint them so they can stay on the altar. And I will go to the the cross and I will pay the price. By that will, we have been sanctified We have been consecrated. We have been set apart. We have been made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. Guys, listen. We are less qualified than you can possibly imagine. Just think of how bad you've been at your worst moment. Even that does not really illustrate how unqualified we are to serve God. But like those in Leviticus 21, we are We're defective, but we have a Lord who says, I will sanctify them. I will sanctify them. And that is translated into a Savior, Jesus Christ, who sanctifies us. Here's what I want to encourage you to to do today. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, would you again put your hands on the cross of Christ and the sacrifice he made there? And would you remember that your sin has been taken out of the camp? And if you're here today and you've never had your sin taken out of the camp, oh, man, it's good. It's good to see that bull leave and all the stuff that it represents. Today could be your day. Put your hands on this this sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and transfer your sins, transfer your life to following him, transfer your strength to serve him. And this is how we become 
royals. What a crazy, crazy Old Testament ritual consecration ordination service. But yet, if we understand it, that's the walking with Jesus that we do. And it also is a great picture that we're going to see today of child dedication. What we're doing today is consecrating children to the Lord. It's going to, it's going to give us a visual today as we, as we take these children with their parents and they come forward. I'm going to lead us through this ceremony where parents are saying, God, I turn them over to you. I turn their sin over to you, even though they're pretty innocent at this point. I turn their lives over to you, even though it's, it's in their parents' hands. I turn their future and what they're going to be and become over to you. And it's going to be a beautiful time. I hope you'll just take it all in and you'll just enjoy seeing the faces and hearing the babies cry and seeing moms going like this, right? This is what it happens on a baby dedication Sunday. But I also hope that none of you in here who are parents or grandparents will think that this is not about you. I've actually included these, these vows that we're going to share in just a moment in my sermon notes today online. And the reason I did that is because I want you to see them, because here's what I believe. You might say, well, my kids are teenagers. My kids are grown. It's too late for me now. I, I can't. Listen, it is never too late to start being a godly parent. It is never too late. And I believe this with all my heart. The powerful thing about what we're doing with these children today is that it represents households who are saying, yes, we are going to raise our kids in God. And you might say, well, I messed it up. It's too late for me now. Listen, today I challenge every one of us here to recommit these promises for your children, even if they're in their 30s or 40s, for your grandchildren. As parents, our families are in our care, and we can dedicate them to God through these incredible vows. So what I'm going to do now, if you're watching online, we've got this, uh, this great thing today. We're doing three different kind of consecration, uh, baby dedication ceremonies. And so uh, online, I'm going to turn you over to Connor Wood. And uh, Connor, our online pastor, is going to guide you through, I think, 11 online uh, dedications. So God bless you guys. Read those vows. Take those vows if you're watching at home. And even if your kids are around, make a promise that you'll be this kind of mom and dad uh, in that family. God bless you guys. We'll see you all next Sunday. For those of us here at the North. Hey everyone, welcome to the online baby dedication. This is my daughter Presley. Uh, she was actually dedicated at the last church we served at, but I thought it'd be cool for her to be a part of today's uh, dedication. A uh, baby dedication is a holy moment of parents committing to raise their kids to love Jesus just like they do. And as one of the pastors on staff, I want to reassure you that imperfect parents can commit their kids to a perfect God. And the wonderful thing about following Jesus is that we get grace to become better parents every day, and our kids get to watch us as they also get to grow in their relationship with Jesus. With that, uh, let's read the names of the kids that are being dedicated online. Are you ready? Here we go. Callum Asbel. Albert Blackwell, Leo Blackwell, Max Blackwell, McKenna Clem, Noah Frank, Anna Mize, Mackenzie Pointdexter, Zoe Pointdexter, Brindlin Reed, Rowan Reed, and finally, Banks Warren. Now, parents, as followers of Jesus Christ, you are choosing to make a covenant before God and this church family 
affirming the following beliefs and accepting the following responsibilities. Do you believe that you exist for God's glory, his purpose and his pleasure? If so, even at home or wherever you're watching from, answer, we do. And will you therefore make knowing and loving God the greatest objective of your life? If so, answer, we will. Do you acknowledge that your child is a gift from God, created in the image of God, and has the potential for being vital in his kingdom? If so, answer by saying, we do. Will you commit to teaching your child who Jesus is and how to trust him as a savior? If so, answer, we will. Will you model for your child a personal relationship with Jesus by studying the Bible and applying it to your daily life? Will you also commit to praying for your child and teaching your child the importance of praying? If so, answer, we will. Do you believe that God established your marriage and he partners with you to honor your marriage commitment for the benefit of your child? If so, answer by saying, we do. Do you believe that God established his church to be an extension of his love in the world? Will you model for your child a love for the church through regular attendance and a willingness to strengthen Jesus's ministry by serving others? If so, answer, we will. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this holy moment uh, to recognize that you love us as our Father and that you give us an incredible, uh, incredible opportunity to love our kids uh, like you love us. And so, Father, we ask as we dedicate these kids to you, uh, that you would help us to grow in the ways that you love us, that we would love you the same. We're so grateful for this time. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now, the kids' service is going to be starting right after this. Make sure you rally them all around, and we'll see you next time.